Hello and welcome to this week's edition of BPM Pod, the podcast where we get behind people's music. I'm your host, Ashley Skreisvendel, coming to you from Berlin in Germany, coming from my home and uh, recording this quite early in the morning, as you might be able to hear some sort of sounds in the background, a few little wriggles and noises and uh, little grunts and stuff, and that's because I'm recording this actually while holding my newborn daughter, Ella. So, uh, as promised, I said she'd be on the podcast at some point. You might be able to hear her, and this is why I'm speaking in a sort of lower tone, lower volume, lower register, so I don't wake her up too much while I'm recording this introduction. Thank you very much for coming along. Really, really great to have you here. Great that you're spending your time here. I really hope you're doing well out there, staying safe and staying sane and staying happy. And uh, do keep supporting each other, keep sending each other messages, try to keep in touch with people. And uh, yeah, let's all stay strong and stay together through this difficult time. So what's coming up on the podcast? Well, recently we've had a lot of top 10 lists because they're quite easy to put together, quite easy and quick, while life sort of gets very busy on my end. But this week we're going back to normal with the interviews of sort of fantastic musicians who are perhaps unsung or uncelebrated out there in the musical scene. And this week we go behind a friend's music, really, a regular of the show, as we revisit Chris Weinhardt uh, of the band Weinhardt. And uh, I met up with him before the whole lockdown thing came into effect, and we had a lovely evening of beer and pizza and just talking absolute nonsense. And we were supposed to ask each other questions, sort of three or four set questions first off, but it turned into a two, three hour conversation that went on a wide range of topics. And it was really, really difficult to sort of edit that down into something really comprehensive, but I think we did a good job. And quite a lot of it is so interesting and it's just really like you're listening in on a friend's conversation about some really wide ranging musical topics that are so interesting and so well flowing that I thought, actually, why don't we just break it up into different parts? So today you're gonna get part one of the conversation I have with Chris as we talk about fun in music and stage presence and why having fun on stage is really important. And we're also going to look at some of their new songs, some of their new stuff, and talk about the relevance of backing tracks. Are they actually relevant? There'll be four parts in this whole series. In part two, we're going to look at the truths that non-musicians must know. And we're going to look at our first musical inspirations, whether that's albums, songs, music videos, and so on. In part three, we're going to have a little debate about albums, whether they're still relevant. I very much think they are, but uh, I can see that they're maybe not as popular necessarily these days. And in the fourth one, we're going to talk about country music and Fred Durst of Limp Bizkit. Limp Bizkit get quite a lot of mentions on this podcast, and it's by complete accident, but they seem to tie a lot of people together. I guess it's because of our age groups or something like that, or the sort of mid to late 90s popularity of them. I'm not really sure, but there's always some sort of mention of Limp Bizkit here and there. So that's what we're going to talk about across four parts. Ella agrees, evidently, and uh, they'll be spread out over the next few weeks. So without further ado, because I don't want to keep you too long on these parts, I'm going to start off with part one of the talk we had, myself and Chris, a little while ago. 
And was we talk about musical stage presence and the fun of being on stage and why it actually helps to not have a persona and be honest with your audience. Chris, you've been on this podcast, what, a record amount of times now? You're becoming a regular. I didn't think I'd have regulars on this podcast. You know, like on talk shows, they have people who have been on there way more than anyone else. And you are definitely that, that person now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are you going to say to that? <laughs> I don't know. But you've actually, if I may correct you, okay, because I just, a couple of hours ago, I visited your website you and you, I, I, I've uh, listened again to the, the episode where I interviewed you mm. and there were interviews with your regulars, your words, Molly's mm. Peck and Chris. Mm. Yeah, there were. So they're already thin regulars. That's true. You're both <laughs> regulars. How are you doing? How are you keeping? I'm good. I'm having a good time right now. I'm at my second beer. <laughs> <laughs> and we were listening to some of my stuff. Uh, you were... Recommending me some new music, some new bands. I don't know if you like any of them. But I do. It's, um, Was it My Morning Jacket? My Morning Jacket. That's Fantastic one I'll definitely band. check out more. And Jim James as well. Or is he the guy He's from... the lead singer of. All right, okay, yeah. cool. We were talking, actually, before we started recording this, about bands having fun and just making music for the, you know, sheer mission of having a good time. And that was actually how we got talking about My Morning Jacket, because I said to you, you know... Some of their songs are nonsense, like they're just total nonsense, bizarre, rubbish. Well, it's not rubbish, I actually really like it. Um, and that was kind of what you said as well, that you try to make some music that's a bit like this, so you don't really stick to this one genre. Do you find that sort of hampers your efforts, though, to generate a fan base, or do you not really give a fuck? It's a tough question, because I don't know if that affects the little fan base that we have. Because there's the there's this tried and uh, t- tried and tested stigma of rock and metal bands who are like super angry dudes. Yeah. There, uh, especially when you see the photos of, of them like crossing their arms, and standing inside a fucked up industry complex or whatever, and that's the way they behave at con- concerts. Mm. And I don't like that. On, and on stage as well. Yeah, they're like, just like shouting their next song. Yeah. Next song is cool. Yeah. And I, I'm always like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, I don't. What's the next song called? I don't. I, don't, I can't understand you. So please, yeah, just. Yeah. Wow. There's a ghost in <laughs> the here. Bag of rice. Just tipped in my China bag just... over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I try to. I try to uh, loosen things up a bit when we play live. Yeah. I try to make jokes, and of course my my, my lyrics are well serious in a way, but I don't I don't take them seriously. Mm. So and if if I can make a single person laugh in between songs. I've accomplished my mission mm. because mm. I, that, that that person ha- has had a good time mm. and maybe it made his or her day. So that's cool. And mm. I like that. And I think more bands should do that. Of course, I get the whole thing. If there's like a whole shtick to a band, like they have this image and maybe some some theatrical aspect. Yeah, to of, it. Course, of course. Okay, I get it. That, that's a show like yeah. uh, Lordy, yeah. the monster yeah. band. Yeah, yeah. They can't talk. Like, I don't know politics or whatever in between no. our songs because that's it's theater mm. and I get mm. that mm. but every other band just make a joke for 
fuck's sake yeah, I sometimes the, I went I saw the Foo Fighters in Gothenburg a few years back and supporting them was the band Ghost yeah that's yeah and they balanced this really well though they had this act where they're all ghosts and you know they're called like nameless ghouls in right fact, the band isn't has, doesn't even have a name they're just, just one dude right it's a dude and then yeah nameless ghouls Tobias Forge I think Tobias something the third something he's got some <laughs> a ridiculous name anyway um and they balanced this really well. They had this act where, you know, they were like, our next song is right. this. And it was really, like, grim. But then he would make lots of jokes in between. So That's you kind cool. of knew it's serious. Like, he's taking it seriously. But he also knows how absurd this is yeah. at the same yeah. time. So he was, you know, saying, it was if it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And he was like, you know... Um, this is the brightest I have ever played in. <laughs> <laughs> I only live in darkness. So I was like, like, it's obvious he's taking the yeah. piss out of himself. Yeah. Right? And, and it I, doesn't hurt the show. No, it? exactly. There are two other artists, and I think they're have they have been a big influence on, on my on my live performance. And those are Devin Townsend. Yeah, Devin who's Townsend, like the, of the most hardest working motherfucker in, yeah. in in the whole rock and metal right now? And Tobias Summit, he's a German guy, and he played plays for Eighth Ed guy and Avantasia, mm. super huge bands, like headlining Wacken and everything. And both of these guys, like their 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 songs, their lyrics are super focused and serious. Mm. But in between songs, they just crack a joke. Yeah, and people love them for that. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That's kind of what I try to do, though. Not that it's about me, because it's not all, but my songs are all fucking depressing, and I know they're really depressing, so why not just admit they're depressing yeah. and make a joke about it? Like, I don't know. I just kind of think, ultimately, for me, at least, music is there so we all have fun and have a good time and like enjoy the atmosphere or the company or whatever it is we're listening to, so there's no harm in putting some humor into it. Like, it's... Absolutely. It's all just... A fun creative outlet. Like, let's not take it all too seriously. We're all gonna die one day. Like, like <laughs> it's grim. <laughs> yeah, but seriously, who really cares? Like, come on, chill. But, but, but I, uh, we played an acoustic show uh, shortly before Christmas last mm. year, 2019. And there was a dude after the show. He came up to me, and he was like, I, "Well, he wasn't mad, yeah. but he was like seriously affected by by my my my." me being not super serious on okay, stage. Right. And he was like, you're so, you try to be so funny and original. Most people don't like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sorry, I okay. offended you. Yeah, um... I was just trying to have a good time. And well, most people laughed or gave yeah. me a positive reaction. Yeah. So I don't know what, I, I do I, I do like criticism. But yeah. uh, well, uh, constructional criticism that mm. I can work with, mm. and I try to improve my my show, my 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 art, my work, whatever, mm. because I'm not perfect. Mm. But it was like so. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't funny. It wasn't original. Nobody liked that. Yeah, <laughs> was weird. <laughs> In between jokes on stage and stuff, though, describe the new Vinehart sound a little bit because you previewed a bit of what you've done already mm. to me earlier off air, and it's got some sort of like. Early 80s synth new wave vibe to it, almost, some of it. We did some of that stuff on our last album, Built to Last. That was, there was, the, the title track, Built to Last, that was like super 80s. It had the gated snare reverb and everything mm -hmm. on there. Mm -hmm. And 
I I still love that kind of music. And so so I wasn't even born in the freaking 80s, but it it makes me so nostalgic to listen to that shit. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, like the whole like the, the the nostalgia love that's that can be observed in current media, like Stranger Things and everything. Mm. The 80s seem like the, the best period where you could ever been in life. Yeah. And I think that's an influence, of course. Mm. And I try to build that in and because you you even said it's almost like prince like yeah. some of the stuff not to like elevate yourself to some arrogant level but but you did say you know it is almost like prince inspired kind and of i things. haven't even heard that much of so, prince no no which is strange in itself but yeah. yeah i know i think i know four songs three don't worry i don't know all that many i'm not a huge Purple prince Rain, fan. kiss kiss and i think sign of raspberry beret <laughs> yeah uh what's it uh why don't you call or whatever it's called something like that he was a great guitarist, yeah, though, right? A fantastic guitarist, but um, but yeah, like I really kind of dig this synthy vibe you've gone for because you introduced it to me, kind of like looking away, being on the floor, a little like ah, oh, yeah, but it's really poppy. It's not, <laughs> you're not gonna like it, and I was like, but it's good. Like, I don't, I don't get what you think is too sort of polished about it. Maybe that's uh, the thing again with I don't take myself too serious, and then when I try to make something that will. It, it, it tries to be commercial, commercially mm. successful. Mm. I'm immediately like, oh, I don't know about it. I don't know. It's it's weird. Yeah. It's a new direction, and I, we we try some things, and we're working some with some people, and I don't know where this is going right now. Mm. So. Mm. I've been fighting for years, blood, sweat, and tears. Worked my way to the top and conquered my fears. Cancel out the noise, all I gotta do is focus. Welcome to the ring, to my magnum opus. Your new stuff, as we've said, is quite sort of like overlaid with synths and hmm. um, it's a little more sort of, I don't want to say clean because it's all very cleanly mixed anyway, but you know what I mean? Like you say, less sort of reverb and experimental kind of stuff, more sort of overlays, overdubs that are very sort of pop influenced, I guess. Um, a lot of that, especially in your current setup of a band, requires backing right? and backing tracks. And you actually posed this question earlier. Which is our backing tracks sort of not still relevant, but should you or should you not use them? Do or don't? And it was just actually a question you asked me, but I kind of feel like you're in a weird position to answer that because you use them quite yes. intensely. Yes, we are. Um, that's a that's actually an issue. And that's why I why why I asked that question. A lot of the more because for some time, very famous and very big bands. Have been using backing tracks, the like Devin mm. Townsend again, yeah, because his stuff is so so freaking layered mm. for mm. guitars, uh, seven synths and everything, mm. and people were who were at his concerts were like, dude, please, that's cool, okay, but that sounds almost like the CD, like the yeah. album, yeah, and I I want to hear a live version, so please cut that back, mm. and he reacted, so a lot of his stuff is now played by an actual live band again, mm. and we're not that I compare myself to Devin Townsend, dear God, but we're in that shitty position. We can't find, for the love of God, a live keyboard player and a live bassist. Hmm. So we're stuck with two guitar players and a singer and a drummer, and the rest has to, because we want to at least 
this the song should sound a bit like they should sounds, resemble it a little bit. Yeah. Right? yeah. So of course we could strip it down, but sometimes our tracks are very synthesizer synth heavy. Mm. So what do you do? You use a backing track. Yeah. But is that still playing live or is that almost lip syncing? I don't know. So yeah, From, because I don't, I don't I, it doesn't bother me. I don't have a problem with it. I saw bands use backing tracks live and as long as somebody is up there is still playing his guitar and singing live, that's cool. Mm. So I don't massively mind backing tracks. Partly because two of my favorite bands use them quite extensively and one is The Who who use them quite extensively, especially with their more synth-heavy stuff, Barbara O'Reilly and whatnot. That's all backing track. There's no way you can really replicate that on stage. It used to actually be, by the way, quick musical fact, that Pete Townsend would take the original tapes with him, with that synth track on, and play them from a tape deck. But that got quite risky, because there's only sort of a handful of copies of them. And now with the advent of digital... It's fine. You just someone presses a button <laughs> yeah. somewhere, so it's really not that good. But they used to, for a long time, use the masters from the um, from the original recording of the song. And another band I really love. I think we mentioned this before when we talked to my absolute favorite band, Queen. They use backing tapes and tracks really? extensively. Like the middle of Bohemian Rhapsody, for example, is just <gasps> right. All... The choir thing, right? Yeah. It, I mean, they they can't replicate that live. Yeah. It's impossible, really. Right. Yeah, so Queen are another band I really, really respect and love who use them as well. Oh, so for yeah. me, it's... I think it has to provide a rhythm or a percussion to the song rather than dominating the rest of it. Mm. And that's where I get annoyed with live pop acts. I remember I went to see Rihanna twice, actually. Right. How was that? It was surprisingly good. But a lot of it was... It's the same with most chart pop stuff. A lot of it is very, yeah, backing track led in a way. And I kind of felt like the backing track becomes the dominating track that Mm. you then just kind of sing with rather than something you sing over. And that's when I get a problem with Mm. it. But... But no, overall, I mean, I think they're, it, yeah, like you're saying, it's the only way really to replicate affordably or easily. As an enhancement, they're great. Yeah. But, yeah, not as a substitute for the actual band. But do you find that people do use it as a substitute? We do, <laughs> sometimes. Well, yeah, no. I mean, that's partly due to a sort of... Band, lack of band member problem like you know, we super need a keyboard and a bass player so <laughs> if you're out there <laughs> please contact me and that was part one of the interview with Chris Weinhardt if you want to find out more about his music search for Weinhardt Band on Google and you'll find it also on Instagram and Facebook as well so go and take a look at that Next time, we'll be back with parts two, three, and four on the podcast, but otherwise, it only remains for me to say thank you very much for listening. Have a great day out there, whatever it is you're doing, and remember to stay safe and stay lucky, and I'll speak to you soon.